Uh, hey guys, I apologize in advance. I've been practicing all day long, so my voice is already a little bit scarred from it. But don't worry, I brought reinforcements. So, um, I'm so glad you all made it. Even if it doesn't look like it, because I have the most nervous face right now and my hands are shaking, I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, tonight we'll be talking about uh, the power of words, which I think it's something that we can all relate to. Even as I was writing this talk, I was reminded of words given to me seven years ago by my college speech professor, who right after I got done giving a speech, um, brought me aside and said, hey, like, I think you're a really capable writer, um, but your delivery was just a little lacking. And I can't help but think of that even right here and now as I'm on a stage um, giving you a speech about words. Um, as you can see, seven years later, those words were still powerful to me. Um, the topic of words is easily the most dominant in Proverbs. The subject is referenced over 150 times, which means that one in every six verses covers this topic. The book of Proverbs itself is wise words being passed down that are meant to give life and to build up, which in all honesty makes it a really hard task to pick a passage to speak from. So thank you, John, for giving me this one of the harder topics of this series. Um, our speech can be overlooked in our day-to-day -day life. It makes sense. One-fifth of our lives are using language in some way, whether that be through speaking, reading, social media, or even listening to music. Words seem to lose their significance because our level of usage, um, but in reality, scripture is clear that words are important to God. So why does God put so much weight into our words? Well, if you think about it, this is the way that the Lord has decided to reveal himself to us through language. Um, we have a whole Bible that took thousands of years to complete, entirely inspired by God, and without these words, we're essentially screwed. Um, I know for me, I don't take that same level of care um, with my words. In my marriage, I often speak hastily to Parker that isn't productive in any way. Even if I am right, <laughs> it isn't helpful and it ultimately can hurt him. Um, I know that you can probably think of a time that you struggled using harsh words, that you've gossiped, or even you've withheld words like, I'm sorry, when you know it was something that needed to be said. We all have issues with our speech and we see that it wreaks havoc on our lives and our world. As scripture will soon show us, our speech, our speech matters to God because our words are powerful. I can't go over all 150 references in the book of Proverbs. I tried, I can't. <laughs> but here are a few examples of verses from Proverbs that we'll show on this slide right here. So these are just a few verses. I think there are more. All right. Um, these are just a few verses that I was um, getting my content from. And if you guys want to take a picture of it, you can, because I won't be able to reference all of them in my talk. But even just by looking that, at this, you can see that there are words like the power of words um, have, have death and life consequences. Um, a soft an the power of a soft answer versus the power of a harsh word. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. Tonight, I've entitled my message, The Power of Words. And although they are in no way comprehensive to what the Bible says about speech, 
I have three concepts that are going to show how words have power according to the scriptures. My first concept is words reveal what we treasure. Words reveal what we treasure. The words of God shows us what is valuable to him, and as believers, it transforms um, what we treasure. We see this in John's gospel in chapter 6, verses 67 through 68. To put this in context, Jesus has just preached a sermon that was not well received, and as a result, he has, a lost, he has lost a lot of his followers. So Jesus, in this text, returns to the remaining 12 and says, Do you want to go away as well? And Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So why did the disciples stay? It was because of Jesus' words. They recognized that his words were of infinite value, that they have found great treasure. He commissioned the disciples, he commissioned the disciples and us to share these words, the gospel, that through Christ have the power to bring people from death to life. Romans 10:17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Even now, God sits, or Jesus sits on the right hand of God, speaking and interceding for us because of his work on the cross. In his commissioning, he also told believers to go and make disciples sharing Jesus' teaching and what it means to truly follow him. It is by following this example of our Savior that we can give words that are of infinite and eternal value that speak hope and life to those who hear it. Just like the disciples, we all have the choice to accept what God values or walk away. If we do choose to accept what God values, then our speech should reflect that we have found great treasure. But if we examine our speech, does it really do that? It might reveal that you really love the TV show The Office and that you really love playing Fortnite. But how... That's my husband. <laughs> but how often does your relationship with Jesus come up in your everyday conversations? All humans talk about what they love. A psalmist wrote, My lips will praise you because your mercy is better than life itself. That is a heart that treasures God above all else. Well, I'm not saying that you should be the guy in the room that's constantly spouting scripture and making everybody feel uncomfortable. But if we claim to know Jesus and don't talk about it, then we should ask ourselves, do I truly see the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus? Do my words show that I value Christ and his word, or am I wasting words, my words on things of lesser value? And then, once you've answered that question, you should dive into scripture into scripture because no man no matter what your answer is there are still things to know and learn and cherish about our savior there are so many influencers in our world who are who are vying to become our treasure if you're an unbeliever in this room i want you to know that the most important thing that i could tell you is that the bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that jesus is lord you can be saved he so desires for you to know him. And I know the staff in this room would love to talk to you more about that. To the believers, I would plead with you that we should be shouting that message from the rooftops. Words have the ability to shape other people's beliefs and what is valuable and what isn't, especially the words of Christ. 
And what is more valuable than his work on the cross for us? So my first point was that our words reveal our treasure. And my second point is that words come with consequences. Our words come with consequences. In Genesis 1, God created the world by just his speech. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. We reflect the image of God and our ability to speak. Although we are not able to create something out of nothing, powerful they still are. Because our speech also fell with Adam and Eve's original sin, our words are now capable of wisdom and foolishness, life and death, growth and destruction, blessings and cursings. Proverbs 18:21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. One does not need to know much about our world history to know that, to think of words that brought death. If you remember anything from your freshman history class, you know that twisted and perverse words can be triggers for murder, suppression, slavery, genocide, and wars. The Nazi party justified war and genocide because they propagated the idea of a pure Aryan race and um, blamed their shortcomings on the Jewish race. Through literature and advertising and a political platform, they perpetuated the idea that Jews and gypsies and homosexuals were subhuman like rats that needed to be exterminated the final solution to their ideal and superior German society. Enslavement of the African people by a large portion of the world justified the idea by giving them a subhuman status and calling them property. In the United States, they were only considered three-fifths of a human who didn't deserve basic human rights. Native Americans were called savages, who we were doing a favor for by conquering. These are recent examples of the same story that can be traced back to ancient history, all using words to serve their own interest and justify their actions while the body count kept climbing. James 3 says, The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Words can go much farther and cause more destruction than you could imagine. Now, if you think I'm only pointing out the extremes, Proverbs 12:18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Unchecked words set in anger, excuse me, unchecked words set in anger or haste can create words like a knife that pierce not the body, but the soul. Wounds that can, they can carry with them their whole lives. They can be psychologically destructive And once you say them or hear them, they can never be taken back. In their wake are left scars and broken or lost trust. In junior junior high high school, (laughs) um, I was fortunate enough to have a group of friends that were more concerned about academics than binge drinking on the weekends. Um, But my friends had a very uh, distorted view of of humor And they would often joke with me that I wasn't intelligent, that I wasn't attractive, or talented, and that I was never going to get married someday. And, you know. (laughs) 
Um, it wasn't until later that I realized how these words had affected me. I had a lot of problems with the way that I looked, and I was very cautious with all of my relationships because I thought that they, they couldn't truly accept me or they wouldn't truly accept me. Um, every time that I interacted with new people, I would often go home and think to myself, was that a good interaction for them? Um, was it a positive experience? Did they, was my personality likable, or is there anything that I need to change about myself? Um, I would often, I, told, I remember sitting down with my sister one day and thinking about these words that my friends told me and, and thinking, like, I know that they're joking, but I think, that the, I think these things that they're saying, like, they really truly believe this about me. It wasn't until I got to college and I had consistent and solid Christian friendships that I looked back and thought, that was actually, like, that was really unhealthy. Their words still affect me today. But those words are, have been eased in two ways. One, I surrounded myself with wise people. Proverbs references multiple times wise people who reflect Christ in their gracious, kind, and gentle speech that can heal offenses, settle anxiety, and extinguish anger. And two, I leaned into God's word as my source of truth, and ultimately, true healing came from Christ. I learned to rest in Jesus' saving work in my life, and I started looking more to him than at myself. My friends' words were powerful, but the words of Christ are more so. Now, in your own family, classes, in your friendships, and in your workplace relationships, what kind of person do you want to be? the wise whose words breathe life into others, or the foolish whose words subtly bring destruction. Ask yourself, what are my words communicating? Are they a blessing to those who hear it? Jesus, who gave us the gift of language, made it clear in Matthew 12 that we will give an account for every word we speak. Our words have consequences, including standing in front of our Savior one day and giving an account for our words. And finally, words expose the conditions of our hearts. Words expose the conditions of our hearts. When the Lord spoke creation into existence, not only was it powerful, but we can see from the text that creation was good. Because his words created goodness, we can know that the creator is good. In Luke 6, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. However, in utter difference between God and man, we see and experience the effect of sin on the human heart. As a result, our words reveal the depth of our wickedness. A seemingly small but telling example is complaining. I remember a time in college when I was in a place where I constantly had a negative outlook on life. And I knew this because my friends Pointed, it got so bad that my friends pointed it out to me. It revealed a heart of discontent and lack of gratefulness. I often blamed my circumstances or even specific people for my attitude, but in reality, they just revealed sin that was already inside of me that I needed to root out. Another example is gossip. Those who can't stop talking about others seek self-justification and and a desire to command attention. Romans 1.29 lists uh, gossip as idol worship, worship of self rather than the creator. 
When I feel the need to talk about other people, I'm feeding into the idol of me. Gossip is no small thing. In regard to slander and gossip, Tim Keller says, proper evaluation is gentle, guarded, well-meant, and always reveals the speaker's belief that they share the frailty, humanity, and sinful nature of the one being critiqued. It always shows a profound awareness of your own sin. The words from a heart that, is, that are being transformed by the gospel reveals kindness, gentleness, and grace. They are humble in that they listen before they speak and wise in discerning what to say and when to say it. They reveal love and compassion even when they are correcting their fellow sinner. Most of all, they bring glory to God because they reflect Christ, because he is the only one with the ability to change people's hearts. Well, the, but the reality is that since Jesus has not returned, and the work of Jesus, the work that Jesus has started in you has not finished. So when your speak, speech does not reflect Christ, but your sinful nature, ask yourself, where did that come from? What underlying sin beneath my words made me react in this way? Then reconcile your relationship with God and that person by confessing your sin and asking for forgiveness. So scripture has shown us that words reveal what we treasure. Our words come with consequences, and our words expose our character. As I invite the band to come back up, I want to end tonight by saying it would be easy to walk away from this message and just try to do better. But that won't be sufficient, and it will lead only to despair. Praise God that when we speak imperfectly, he looks at Jesus' perfect speech as our own. See, these messages from Proverbs that we've had all semester are only helpful when we've been saved by the power of our sin through faith in Jesus Christ. Relying on the Holy Spirit to do a work in us while being rooted in the word. When our fear of the Lord supersedes any and all fears that we may have, we can live differently. As we'll sing tonight, Christ has the final word in the end. Our words will one day only bring glory and honor to our Savior. So when we stand before God to give an account for our words on earth, will our words be known for bringing honor and glory to God or ourselves? Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I just thank you for this time that we had to spend in your word tonight. Um, you have so many examples of, of, of the speech that reflect you. And I pray that we, yeah, would just dive into your scriptures and learn more about you, that we would... Um, let the Holy Spirit <laughs> just do a work in our lives to change our hearts that would be in the word, um, learning more about you and growing to be more like you, Lord. May our speech reflect who you are, and as we go about our week, would be aware of what our speech is reflecting. In your name I pray. Amen.